Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. Thank you, Nancy, for being here today. I'm so excited to speak with you. And likewise, I can't wait to dive into this, Andrew. Let's get started. So for those listening slash watching, Nancy is a certified sales training, but she does more than just teach these fancy sales tricks, but helps people adjust their communication style and their personality a little bit to make sure that they're doing more than just trying to trick people. What I really loved being from Bo- from the Boston area is that she actually got her undergrad in psychology from BU and then later earned her master's and PhD from Boston College in social work. So Nancy, you have so much your uh, accreditations between the books that you've written. I mean, you've done so much. So what originally brought you into psychology and then how did that transition over into sales because generally when you look at your resume you wouldn't say that lines up with going into sales (laughs) and you're right because I had no intention of going into sales when I was a girl or a teenager growing up (laughs) but Honestly, Andrew, I was born a psychologist. I have had an interest in human behavior since I was a little girl. And interestingly enough, my family had plenty of behavior for me to observe. My parents had a very stormy marital relationship and I wanted to help them. When I was around the age of 10 or 11, I saw a TV show in which Father Knows Best helped quarreling children get along. So I used that technique on my parents. Now, what's interesting is for those of you who have children, you're thinking a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old telling an adult about a relationship and what to do, crazy. And I agree with you. Uh, My parents are deceased, so I can't ask them why they let me do this. So I have some ideas. One, they were hurting a lot and they wanted some kind of help. But Mm -hmm. two, maybe they saw something in me as their daughter that said she could help us. At any rate, Andrew, this was very pivotal because at the end of the conversation, I turned to my dad and I said to him, this is what mom needs to feel loved. I gave him a list of things to do. And I turned to my mom and I said, this is what dad needs to be respected. Notice that the words changed. And that is the basis for how to increase sales without being salesy, is to speak the language of the other person. Now, I naturally had the ability to hear my dad's language and my mom's language and translate for each other. Uh, I didn't know that this was a gift, uh, you know, but like I said, I've always been interested in human behavior, not into selling. However, I backdoored into selling. You mentioned I got my graduate degrees from Boston College. Well, the federal government paid for me to go to graduate school. Yay! <laughs> they, paid, they, they paid for me to learn how to implement uh, a mental health program in the workplace. I'm a psychologist. I want to help people's mental health. This seemed like a made-in-heaven opportunity. 
What I didn't realize until I graduated is that you can't implement a program until it's sold. And hence, I found myself in a sales situation without knowing shit from Shinola about selling. And so here's what I did. I went back to school not to get a degree. I went to learn you know, at the library. What could I read? What could I study? What could I, uh, you know, the masters of sales. And eventually I came across a concept called the platinum rule. Now, you know what the golden rule is, am I right? Do to, I'm gonna butcher it. I forget, it's been a while since I've heard of it, but it's like, do, do to others what you would want done to you or treat others how you would wanna be treated. That's perfect. It's about myself, right? And it's a very humane way. If, if I'm right. treating you the way I wanna be treated, we can assume that would be good treatment. The platinum rule takes it one step further. Treat others the way they want to be treated. And when this aligns with my values, and when I put it into operation, along with what I knew about psychology, I quadrupled sales in 90 days. And this is now the basis of what I teach other people to do. I love that. And then how? what was that pivotal moment, though? You were like, I'm going to go into more of like coaching people how to do sales. Like, was there a moment where just it clicked or was it a slow transition? It was slow. And um, I will be candid with you. I had a business coach when I started my business about 12, 13 years ago. And at that time I was doing some direct sales in, with healthcare products. And I wanted to do coaching, consulting, you know, in terms of communicating. She was the one that said to me that people will pay to learn sales skills. Mm -hmm. And so she steered me towards becoming this sales uh, trainer. I didn't think I was a master or a guru of training or sales particularly. I, I, I am a good educator, so that, that I absolutely own. But I didn't necessarily own the idea of my being in, as a sales trainer. However, as I continue to work in this area, Andrew, there's no question in my mind that I offer something unique and amazing for people who want to increase their, their getting more clients, but without being pushy, aggressive and salesy because I didn't want to be that. I yeah. didn't want to uh, force people. See, that's why I didn't go into sales. I saw that stereotype, you know, the used car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also I read a book in high school, you know, the death of the salesman, Willie Loman, yeah. you know, it was like, Andrew, these, these ideas were like, no way was I going to do selling. And if, if, if people are a bit like me and you've gotten some sort of educational degree, maybe you've gotten certification or licensed in your particular occupation, it feels like sales is a step down. Like, wait a second, I'm a professional <laughs> person. Me selling? And that's, that is exactly who my audience is, people who don't want to sell, but they love what they do. And they can't do what they do until they sell. Yeah. Hence, that's where I come into play because they want to be genuine and authentic and true to their values. And that's what I help them do. I love that. And then one of the things that I loved, we've been following each other on LinkedIn for a while. 
So I know I've heard and read about some of your programs is the appreciation uh, marketing on fire, I believe it was. And you talked about how everyone's hit with digital marketing, which is in the field I'm in, messages all the time. And I believe you spoke about how do you separate yourself um, and get noticed positively from prospects, from appreciation. Like, can you elaborate a little bit like on that? Because it's such a unique way to look and craft marketing statements. So I'm going to give you an example that just happened this morning. (laughs) I was at a networking group earlier this morning, and uh, I meet with people one-on-one, which, by the way, if if people are not aware of it, it's not the group you attend. It's the follow-up of meeting with people, getting Mm -hmm. to know them personally and individually that matters. And so um, I, I had met with this individual. She had quite a story about uh, her um, father having died a few weeks ago, her husband, ex-husband, who was uh, in hospice and, you know, not in good shape. And at the same time, the third event is that um, she became a grandma for the first time. So I acknowledge these events with a tangible physical card. I mean, not only did I talk to her, listen to her, um, I happened to listen to her at a time when she was just like overwhelmed with these events going on. The baby hadn't yet come, but was about to come. And so I sent her, you know, a card with the congratulations. And then as soon as she posted a picture of the newborn, I put that in a card and I sent that to her uh, with a message about basically it's those little things in life, this little bundle of joy that, you know, makes life, you know, so special. Well, at the networking group today, she held up the card and she, you know, let people know that you know she how touched she was by this Mm -hmm. the moderator of the group said to her how long do you think you'll keep that card and she said forever I mean this is a picture of her first grandchild you know newborn is she going to throw it out never Mm -hmm. um will it be replaced so to speak yeah as the child gets older and there are more pictures I'm sure she'll accumulate more pictures but will (laughs) she ever throw out that first one she said never and you know that's how you appreciate somebody you take a milestone in their life or maybe it isn't a milestone maybe it's just that you and I had a one-to-one and you follow up we follow up with emails right or we follow up with messages but when you send something tangible and physical and it's not about me it's about the other person I always put their picture in the card I send people don't throw it out they keep it for years how do you So if someone's sending a message digitally and it's happening in that kind of organic sense, you recommend that they find a way to connect with them, that they can send something directly to them personally, personally. Our mailboxes, Andrew, are screaming for love. They're empty nowadays. (laughs) And our digital mailbox is overflowing. And if you're like me, delete, 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 delete. I don't even read a whole bunch of the stuff that comes into my box. And by the way, it includes messages. I do not like when people text message me. I have my phone turned off. It doesn't notify me. I'm lucky if I see at the end of the day that I got a text message. Why? 
you know, because I'm focused on doing my work and I don't want to be at your women call when you decide to message me. And hence, um, you know, I may not look at messages as frequently as you thought I would. Yeah, no, I love that. And then the other thing that you touched on was when you make it about them. I had someone that sent me a, I might even have it next to me somewhere around here, but it was, uh, I went to a meeting and the guy asked for my business card. I gave him my business card. And then did we talk about this? Mark no, McCann? but he did the same for me. I bet I know who it is. <laughs> yeah. So he my business tag. card and then he gave it back. And it's that look, that baggage claim or tag, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Baggage tag. Yeah. yeah. Mark McKenzie. Yeah, exactly. Mark did that for and me too. That's just where it completely shifted my idea because I use it for everything now. And then now I'm telling the story now. I've told it before. And I tell other people to kind of follow that suit. And it's like what you're saying is matching directly with that. Yeah. Yeah. It be, it's little things, you know, um, it, it was your business card. He spent, you know, a buck for lamination and, you know, a little plastic thing and, and then maybe another couple bucks for postage and sending it back to you. But again, it's like, wow, it was personal to you. And every time you see it, you think of Mark. You know, and that's the idea um, when there are tangible things. And I know you're into digital marketing and there's nothing wrong with digital marketing. We, it, It's needed, but that tangible personal yeah. high touch can cement a relationship uh, because it stays with you. What I've been doing is when we have a new client that signs on and within like that first month, I'll find either excuse me a hat or something or maybe it's a t-shirt but I'll get it branded with their company logo and then I'll mail that off to them and then I'll write them a card saying thank you for trusting us like whatever it is and it that's because I saw what Mark did like what I loved about Mark is that it has nothing about his company on there it's purely about the other person so I'm going to connect you with a gal named Gail Zona, Z-O-N-A. Mm -hmm. Gail has a company. She's an artist along with her husband called Jules. And what they do is she spells it funny. So uh, I'll, I'll send you the contact. <laughs> okay, thank you. But she takes people's logos or quotes or something unique to that individual. And because they're artists, they put it on various useful objects. So I happen to have nearby one of the objects she gave me, which is a coaster. And it has, again, my likability system. And so he uh, he does woodworking. And I think he did that. She does glass uh, blowing. So they have uh, cheese sets in which she did the glass on the, the uh, cutting thing. He did yeah. the board, you know, but they're very personal. I recently gave a uh, gift to my nephew and his new wife. They just got married uh, and it was a cutting board and it had the uh, location of their wedding that was in the board. So, I mean, th these are things that people, you know, it, it touches them because it is, yeah. like you say, it's about them. It wasn't about me. And then they can use it. The last thing I'm going to do is if I go to the chamber and I win a door prize and it's another mug with someone's company name on it, 
what I've been doing now recently is like, I'll take that and I'll put food in it and I'll leave it in my car. And then when I come across someone that needs it on the street, I give it away. So, I mean, I'm putting it to good use, but I'm not keeping it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the idea about some of these gifts where it's personal, like your picture on a card, you do keep it, even if it's for a short while. And the other thing is you tell people, just like you and I are telling people about it, um, it because it is personal. So, yes, digital has its place. It mm -hmm. creates visibility. But, the, but appreciation on fire is when you make it tangible. Yeah, I love that. And then, so that coaster you just showed there, what is the likability? Oh, the likability system is a yeah. five-step process for increasing sales without being salesy. Uh, step one is to know that there are four different ways that people are biologically programmed to communicate. Just like my mom and dad spoke different languages, there are four languages. Uh, these aren't love languages, just communication. <laughs> And then um, that's step one. And step two is what's your language? Why should you know that? Because your language will both attract and repel people. You need to know about what your natural tendencies are so that you can obviously enhance your, your skills. The third is to diagnose the other person's style. Remember, this is the platinum rule. I, I wanna treat you the way you wanna be treated. Hence, what's your style? That's number three. Step four is now to adjust what I say and the approach I take to match your style because that's gonna feel like I'm treating you well. And finally, the fifth step is I need to rein in the parts of myself that might not match your style so that you're not irritated and bothered and we get out of rapport yeah so in one of those difficult situations when I'm meeting someone for the first time let's say I'm at a chamber and then there's a warm lead there someone who looks like they are they need marketing help whether it's a website or whatever how can I figure out what their style is like what that buying style would be well, okay. there are three ways in a live in-person uh, networking group that you can figure out someone's style, how they dress, how they talk, and how they behave. So let me go into behavior because this is something that you can start with really easily. People who arrive early to a networking group are a particular style. Yes, they believe that you have to be ready to go at the top of the hour. Hence, they're 15 minutes early, maybe 20 minutes early. So the early people are particular style. I, by the way, I give styles numbers. The numbers represent how long it takes someone to make up their mind. So that happens to be the number six style. Number six style is average because 70% of sales are made after six contacts. Mm -hmm. This person needs six or more contacts to make up their mind. Mm -hmm. The people who arrive on time tend to be your number eight style. They're, they they want to do what's right. They're not trying to come late. They're going to be on time. The people who come late two types that come late. The person with the excuse, oh, I'm so sorry to be late. I, I meant to be here. I was, da, da, da. I was, the truth is 
they were with another person and they couldn't break away. Why? Because they want to connect with people and, and it's all about the connection. That's your number four style. They're very quick to make up their mind, but they, yeah. they just, it's about a friendship. And then we've got the person who comes late and it's like, they don't have an excuse. It's like nothing starts until I arrive. And so hence, it doesn't really matter that I'm five or 10 minutes late. I don't have to explain anything. I screeched into the parking lot. I'm double double tasking, right? I got the, the Bluetooth in my ear. I am doing multiple things at once. That's the number two style. So just by noticing somebody's behavior, do they come on time? Did they come early? Did they yeah. come late without an excuse or late with an excuse? You have an idea about that person's style. For that last person you mentioned, I'm going to guess they take longer to sell. Or oh, they no. No? Oh, no. They're the fast ones. Oh, they okay. they quick to decide. If they want it off their plate because they're multitasking, they want to go on to the next activity. But just as quick as they are to decide, they also fly away yeah, and can make another decision. And they're very hard to pin down after you've made the sale. Well, wait a second. The onboarding process, I need this information before we can mm. get started. And then they're, and, and you, have you had someone <laughs> like that? And they're so hard to get them to commit to the next time we're going to do some work together. The reason why I was thinking they would be take long is from my experience with some of the people like that, they want to be made like th that importance factor. They want you to, that's why I, I thought sometimes the the length, the longevity of the process would take because it's like, really show me why I'm so valid. Why should I work with you? Why? That was my thought process behind it. Now, this person, you're right. They want that VIP, you know, red carpet treatment. They want to be treated like royalty, but they also want you to get it done for them. And yeah. they're very quick to hand it off. Go for it. You know, Andrew, you do it for me. But like I say, the cha the challenge with this person, they're very quick to decide. So they're low hanging fruit, you know, to use some of the jargon from the trade. They're, they're easy to make up their minds. And most marketing is for that person. Urgency, deadlines, you know, fear of missing how, get it done now, <laughs> et cetera. Um, it, it's all geared for that person. But that person's also very difficult to follow up with. Yeah, that's always the tricky part. And that's where it turns into that, like that leaky bucket picture that we all see where water's going in and the water's falling out. And I usually use that example as they're just managing money. They're not managing a business. They're just trying to get as much money that comes in and just make sure yes, whatever comes out that they can fix it back up. They're transactional. And for people like you and me, who are not transactional, but relationship oriented, um, it, it's, we don't quite get it. Like, you know, it, it, first of all, they become the big bad wolf because we really do feel like that it's just gobbling us up and they don't really care about us personally. So mm -hmm. there's a kind of a, mm, but at the same time, they can be very charismatic, you know, very, because they'll say anything to get that sale, right? 
Uh, so it's it's fascinating, but they're transactional and we're relational. Hence, it, it's like, wait a second, I want to connect with you personally. Uh, but they're they're running off here, there and everywhere and, and just not not available sometimes to connect personally. Have you ever worked with people? I guess, how do you select the people you're going to work with would be my first question before I have my follow up. Well. I select people who uh, gravitate to what I have to say, my message and my style. And I particularly like, as I said to you, I like to work with that smart person, mm -hmm. a subject matter expert who has invested in their occupation, love what they do. They hate to sell. You know, they don't like that self-promotional side. And yet, if they're going to practice their occupation, they're going to have to get that degree. They're going to have to learn the skills to talk with someone. They come to people like you, Andrew, with the expectation and hope that you're going to do the heavy lifting and sell for them. Mm -hmm. But marketing and sales are really two different functions. Marketing is filling a pipeline, creating visibility, creating credibility, creating that desire on the part of your prospect. But you still, especially if you're selling a personal service, a, 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 you know, some some kind of service professionally that way, you're going to have to have a conversation with them. And that's where it's like, oh, okay, don't know exactly how that's going to go. And so great leads are coming in, but you're not closing as many people. That's what sales skills are about, right. how to get people out of the pipeline and become paying customers. Yeah. And then have you ever worked with someone who was that person with the earbud that came in by oh, chance? Yes. And they, how did you work with them to kind of change? I'm I'm imagining it's harder for them to turn into someone like us than it is for us to kind of work through. Here's the scoop. Four different styles, <laughs> four different values, four different motivational reasons for wanting to get more clients. And that number, that, that action taker with the Bluetooth in their mm -hmm. ear and the multitasker, this person wants to win. They're very competitive. It's transactions, right? So you use the desire to have the transaction to help them shift what they need to say, shift what they do to match the other person because they'll win. Their motivation is to win. So I use the... That's why knowing that person's style can help me help them become more successful in what they ultimately want, which is more clients. Isn't that what you all want when you start? Um, no, that's really interesting. And I love how you're saying it because I come from a background where I never thought I would be in this position. I hated sales. I'm very passive when it comes to it. So when you were talking about your client, I was like, that is me. That is exactly me. Uh, how do you, like, I'm trying to think of even how to word this question. It's just, it's such a unique situation of trying to use like psychology in a way that it's not salesy. It's not tricking. It's trying to build that relationship. But at the same time, you're trying to, build a relationship. Obviously you have your agenda and everyone knows we all have our businesses that we have to grow and promote, but 
there's still like sometimes I'm I'm like on the fence. I'm like, am I being sleazy? Am I kind of being tricky by building this relationship, knowing that they're gonna possibly do business with me? Or I don't I I sometimes struggle with that a lot. Again, based on style, I think yeah. that you have a very strong style that cares about people. You're very relational. And at the same time, you're a person who's thoughtful and, um, you know, wants to make sure that he knows and understands. Uh, using those motives is how you shift into helping others. So that part of you that wants relationships how can you serve that person? It's not about selling them, but serving them. And for the person who is more of the thought person and, you know, reflecting and doing research, it's about um, imparting information. How can you uh, help that person grow and learn and, you know, get wiser by they're working with you. So it's not a selling. The person who sells the most is that person we talked about a moment ago, who's very transactional. It is all about the sale to them. And which is the reason why I think sales gets a bad reputation. They happen to gravitate towards selling as a career because it's very clear. It's competitive. They, their salary can increase based upon how successful they are. And they're driven by materialism and by transactions. Mm. The other three styles are not. And yeah. hence, you need. I need to create a different way for them to achieve what they're looking to achieve. Because again, we're driven by different motivations, yeah. different values. Interesting. And then, so when you're talking about the materialism part on some of your LinkedIn posts, you've mentioned stuff about like spirituality. So like, how do you use spirituality to communicate better with, uh, in general, with your prospects and all that? Well, I use it personally because I, I let the power that is that source of power that's in my life, give me words to say and analogies and, you know, ways of communicating that is coming, I think, energetically from that power. Mm -hmm. But if the other person is also spiritually inclined, and I believe because of law of attraction, more and more the people that I'm attracting into my life are, are spiritually centered as well, then I, I'm very candid, very open uh, about that because that's a, a real way for us to connect authentically. Uh, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles, Law of Attraction, and many other um, platforms like that. You know, so I don't I don't mind letting people know uh, that's who I am. That's what I'm about. I love that, and it's that leans back right into what you're talking about at the beginning. Be yourself. Be authentic as well. I mean, that it's going to come out, especially if you're doing work where you're going to have a relationship with someone long term. You don't want to be fake. They're going to find out who you are, especially in the age that we live in today. It's almost impossible to hide that. So I'm going to say something that may, again, maybe blow your socks off uh, and you weren't expecting it. <laughs> and that and that is you should find someone who does what you do. Um, but has a different style. So mm -hmm. I'm very relational. And again, I happen to be very intellectual that those are my strengths. Those are my two best styles to work with. 
Am I that transactional person? Am I that systems oriented person? Not so much. So by finding somebody who's more aligned with those styles, he, she, and I can be referring business to each other because they're not going to like working with that person who takes forever to decide or wants a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. So that's what I meant by blowing yeah. your socks off. Find someone like you, but a different style. You're going to be able to do business with each other. And here you thought you were competitors. Yeah. You're yeah. not. Yeah. Some of the people that we're mutual friends with on Facebook, we've we've done that too, where their personalities just match better with other people. And sometimes people want to be told what to do. Some people don't. And, you know, there's all of that. Um, but we're coming up towards the end of the time here, Nancy. Um, I mean, you've written so many books. Like, is there anything that you're trying to promote right now specifically that you want people to know about? Yes. And that is I provide a free webinar that takes place Monday afternoons at one o'clock Eastern time. Uh, it's being promoted in LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, it's called How to Convert Prospects into Clients Using LinkedIn. Um, I'm called the LinkedIn Whisperer because I can help you look at somebody's LinkedIn profile or Facebook page or, or even a website and identify the communication style, like my mom or my dad, and be able to, again, help you see what messages are you giving off or what message is your prospect giving off so that you can connect with them authentically on their style. And that's a free workshop and I look for volunteers to get their profiles read. So it's kind of fun to find out what is your profile saying about you? I might have to recommend volunteer my profile then. <laughs> Be happy uh, to do so. I'll give you that information after, but Nancy, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I learned a lot. That's one of the, my favorite parts about doing this is that you get, it's almost like free classes in a way. It's a great way to learn. Um, so I really appreciate your time today and the knowledge that you shared with us. And I'll speak with you soon. I thank you as well to your sales success. <laughs> thank you.